0: In today's show, we're looking back at the season, the regular season, for the Phoenix Suns. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. This is the last season review podcast. The NBA Finals are a couple of days away from starting and we have the Phoenix Suns up in today's show and they are up in the NBA Finals. At this point, my pick is Suns in six games for the finals because I am just not convinced that we're going to get you know, more than, say, two two games of Giannis and even then not at full strength. But if he is 100% and ready to go game one, then i probably do switch that to Bucks in six. But I just think with the situation with Yanni that we have to look at Phoenix as the pretty strong favorite. They're also the better team in the regular season as well. And I think that goes underreported. They're fully healthy. The Bucks are without DiVincenzo and probably without Giannis. So I'm going to take Phoenix in six. But when we're recapping the Suns season here, we're doing it over the regular season. Now, just a a quick heads up that today's show is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our locked on rooms. Also, as to what's coming the rest of this week, this does it for the season review stuff. So... We're moving into NBA draft content, Um, but tomorrow we'll have a redraft of the 2020 draft. Then we'll have a redraft of the 2019 NBA draft. Then we're going to do a couple of Dynasty-specific shows, the topics of those undecided. And then starting next week, Monday the 12th of July, which the shows have already actually been pre-recorded but because I'm heading away, fingers crossed, Um, NBA draft content, 48 prospects over 10 shows two mock drafts over those 10 shows as well, really in-depth stuff on a you know, bunch of NBA prospects that you need to know about, and my uh, mock draft thoughts, which uh, which change wildly through mock draft two and mock draft three, especially in compared to mock draft one. So that's what's happening over the next three weeks of NBA or locked on fantasy basketball content, but let's talk now about your Phoenix Suns who finished 51-21, and second-best record in the NBA this season. They had the fifth-best offense, the ninth-best defense. Of course, with Chris Paul on that team, they slowed things all the way down, 26th in pace. That is absolutely no surprises at all. That is exactly what teams with Chris Paul do. And they only have their first-round pick in the upcoming draft, pick number 29. But obviously, they are looking pretty good as they do enter the NBA Finals as favorites, which is just an amazing thing. And you can talk... and. uh, You can talk. I absolutely don't want to hear about it, but you can talk about, oh, it's the worst finals. Oh, what an easy run they had. Oh, so many injuries. I honestly could not give a single shit. In fact, kids, cover them. I do not give a fuck at all. You beat who is out there. Injuries happen. Sure, a lot of good players got hurt. Oh, well, it does nothing to diminish the accomplishment from either the Phoenix Suns or the Milwaukee Bucks, in winning this title. Does nothing at all. So I will be celebrating with the Suns fan base, with the Bucks fan base. Whoever wins it, it's going to be awesome. And I'm super looking forward to what this means as we move forward. All right, let's talk more about the Phoenix Suns now. There's my little tangent there. Free agency-wise, the big question mark, of course, is Chris Paul. You would assume that he does come back. He's got like a a massive, massive player option. So maybe he declines that and then re-signs in like a three-year deal. He is 36. So do you want to pay him $35 million a year when he's 39? Probably not. But if he leads you to a championship, then yeah, you just do it. And you just hope you can get back and push further into the playoffs again next year. It's a very interesting decision for Paul. The other key parts of their rotation that they need to look at is, of course, their backup point guard in Cameron Payne, who's an unrestricted free agent. one Moore, Langston Galloway, they were sort of in and out of the rotation. And then Abdul Nadir and Tori Craig are both unrestricted. And they're sort of both fighting for that last spot in the rotation. Um, if they both, you know, if one, of the, if one of those guys comes back, they'll get that rotation spot if they both come back. Nadir was pretty good. Hurt his knee, barely played then after that. Came back in the playoffs and Craig outplayed him and took that role. Craig is like 30, 31 already. So there is a chance that they look more to develop Nadir there. And then Frank Kaminsky who inexplicably started games this season, I don't think they'd be uh, busting their balls to get him back in action. But hey, maybe they would. They were obviously busting their balls to start him for some reason during the season, but that's where we're at now. Guys, there is a limited time flavor at Built Bar. The Built Grasshopper Cookie. It's available this week only. You can get that new Built Bar flavor, Grasshopper Cookie. What does it taste like? Well, This is Bilt Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie, or as they say in New Zealand, Thun Munt. All of the flavor without all of that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and just five grams of sugar. Bilt Bar has unbelievable amount of flavors. So you can celebrate your freedom of choice at Bilt Bar by picking the flavor that you love. But not only uh, do they taste great, they are also healthy. Check out the macros. Yeah, the macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180 per bar. Only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. And order today and get the grasshopper cookie or the raspberry bar or the or the chocolate or the coconut or whatever, whatever you like. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. That's a new website, built.com. Okay, let's talk about Chris Paul. Um, ADP was 36 for Chris Paul. Surely he can't stay healthy again. That was the, you know, the war cry on Chris Paul. He did. He absolutely did. He was the 23rd ranked player last year in Oklahoma City where he played 70 games. This year he played 70 games and he was the 22nd ranked player. Paul was amazing. Again, averaging 16, four and a half and nine. I think we do also forget that he started off the season a little bit slow. Like he was not going at this rate to begin the year. His main value is is coming in assists and steals, obviously, but 50% from the field and 93 from the line is amazing. He almost hit 50, 40, 90. He was 49.9, 39.5, and then 93 from the line. Great assists, great steals. He's not in his prime. Of course, we know that. We're not getting Chris Paul in 19 and 10 with two, two and a half steals as we got for multiple years. But getting 16 and nine, with one and a half steals, is still really good. Can he do it again for one more year? You would have to assume so. He's doing it in 31 minutes a night. He finished 37th in points leagues. He's not as useful in points leagues as category leagues. You'd think that he's going to be, and that risk of injury is still there, but that's two years in a row. As I said, you're injury prone until you're not. Two years in a row, doesn't miss games. Now, I tend to think that he's likely to miss time just because of his age. He'll be 36, 36 and a half by the time the season starts. And that's obviously pretty old. But something's working for him at the moment. He's dealing with a bung shoulder, a bung wrist at the moment in the finals. Um, but he's been awesome. But I, I wouldn't imagine, I wouldn't imagine we ever get a top twenty season again. And I think we may we there is a chance he drops out of the top thirty for this coming season. A chance, it's it's far from a guarantee. But I think there is a chance that he does move, uh, just, just just drops that little bit as yeah, maybe the assists fall off. Maybe, the sh- probably, probably the shooting is the thing that really does fall off. But yeah, he was great. Again, real, real star, big steals, good shooting, great defense, just amazing stuff from Chris Paul. He did lead, he, he led them to the finals, so to speak, but he is not the only reason the Suns are in the finals. It is not just him, but those advanced metrics are pretty high. Interestingly, Raptor hated him defensively. Negative 1.2, every other metric really liked him. Raptor hated him. Obviously, great fantasy stats. um, His shooting efficiency is really, really strong. Just really, really awesome stuff from Chris Paul. Can't stress that enough. Now, the next guy we've got to talk about is a frustrating fantasy player for us this season. And the next two guys we're going to talk about are frustrating fantasy players for us this season. Let's talk Devin Booker, who played 67 games. He played 34 minutes. He averaged just 37 fantasy points, which is 44th. He was the 55th-ranked player in Category Leagues, and he was drafted at 14. And I was all right with drafting him in that area. He averaged 26 points with two threes, four rebounds, four assists, piss-poor steals, .8, and shot 48 and 87, and shooting 34% from three. And like Trey Young, he's one of these guys that, you know, oh, he's an unbelievable three-point bomber. And that's just not really who he is. He's never been this elite, elite three-point shooter. I remember the comparisons. Oh, he's Clay Thompson. Oh, no, he's not. He's nothing like Clay Thompson. Just because he looks like him, just because there's a slight resemblance, doesn't mean he's Clay Thompson. He's nothing like Clay Thompson at all. This is a guy who has never hit 39% of his threes before. His best year was 17, 18, hitting 38%. This is not to say Devin Booker is bad, because he's a really good player. He's an awesome player, but he's not that guy that you think that he might be. So, how did we get to having Devin Booker as a top 14, top 15 player, and yet he fell outside the top 50? What happened? He averaged two points per or sorry, one point per game fewer, which is not not a huge amount. The threes were about the same. But what happened is his assists went from six point five per game all the way down to four point three. Now we knew that Chris Paul coming in would have an impact on his assist, but I still thought that we'd get quite a bit of Devin Booker handling the ball. But that really did change quite significantly. The other thing is, which is something that I do harp on all the time, is these is free throws. And I probably should have been more more recognize, recognize this more myself. He shot ninety two percent from the line in over seven attempts in nineteen twenty. Ninety two is a really good number, and he shot this year eighty seven, and eighty seven is still excellent. But the difference between eighty seven and ninety two is stark. It's like a, a shop blocker, Miles Turner going from three and a half to two and a half. Two and a half is still probably top five in the league, but it cost you a ton of fantasy votes. because it's a big drop. 87 is still excellent for free throws, but it's not 92. And then you pair that with the fact that he attempted one and a half fewer free throws per game. His usage was actually um, higher this year than it was the year before, but losing that volume on his three-pointers, it, it did have an impact. Now, it's wild to see just how much losing those two assists and that one and a half free throws with seven percentage points or six percentage point drop does impact it, but it dropped him like 30 spots, 40 spots. And that's how fickle some of those you know, second to fourth round guys can be. So Booker probably is going to get, well, there's two schools of thoughts here. Booker could get overdrafted next season based on the playoffs, which I think could happen to DeAndre Ayton. Or he could get drafted based on him finishing fifty fifth in the regular season. It's going to be really one to watch. Do people go look how good he was in the playoffs and put him at number twenty, or do people go he sucked in the regular season and put him at number fifty? I think I'd be more I'd be comfortable taking him in the third round and expecting yeah if there is that injury to Paul, the assists will jump up. Maybe you see the free throws jump back higher, but I'm not really sure what else we can get out of him. Does he become a twenty-eight point per game scorer? I guess that's possible. Two and a half threes instead of two, maybe. It's really going to, he's never going to be a steals guy. Just forget that. It's going to come down to assists and it's going to come down to those free throws. And can he get to 50% from the field? That's a possibility. He's only 24. So there is still room for him to improve. And it probably does come from those. Points, threes, assists back up, which again, maybe there's a buy low in Dynasty because Chris Paul's not around forever. And then I think Booker's numbers will rise back up in that assist back to five and a half to six per game. That would be be my estimation on, on how that all rolls for him. But it is a staggering drop. In his uh, in his fantasy overall numbers for this year, and that's not to say that he was a worse player this year, because I don't know that he necessarily was. We understand for fantasy that his production was worse, but yeah, you still think that he um, that he, he was yeah pretty good on the court, you know, shot the ball well, still played played, made well. Defensively, he's still bad, but he improved a lot. I, th- I thought he defended at a much higher level than he has in the past. Um, LeBron just disagrees. He's a negative 1.6 in the LeBron metric defensively, which is obviously trash, and his Raptor is pretty trash, but there's a lot of A's in there. His efficiency is really good on his, you know, post up work, his uh, pick and ball handling work, which I do think they need to involve him more in. The problem with him overall, fantasy wise, is just if he's not getting that elite free throw, elite scoring with those high assists, yeah, you know, he lacks in rebounds and steals and blocks. There's a lot of negatives with him. Um, and yeah, we're not going to be expecting him to go in and be that, um, Be that top 20 player next season. It could happen, but we're not going to expect that from him. Now, the next guy also suffered a big dip. And again, it's one of those narratives that I do think we need to be careful of. Well, DeAndre Ayton, he's playing with Chris Paul now. Playing with Chris Paul. He's going to get so many easy looks. Just, he's going to get, his efficiency is going to go through the roof. He's going to get so many easy looks. He's never played with a lob lob partner like Chris Paul. Someone who's going to get him those easy shots. Sure. His ADP was 21. He finished 59th. He played just 31 minutes a night. He averaged 33 fantasy points, which was good for 64th. And I had plenty of criticisms of DeAndre Ayton this year. He averaged 14 and 10 and a half, which is obviously not great compared to 18 and 11 the year before. His usage fell from 24 all the way down to 18. He has stepped it up in the playoffs. He's played well but he also hasn't seen that usage really spike. He's just doing it on huge minutes, 34, 35, 36 minutes a game. His efficiency has been good, but he's still not stepping out and hitting threes. He still never gets to the line. So he, to me, has, again, like Devin Booker, there's a real risk of um, people overrating what he did in the playoffs. Man, he's so key in the playoffs. Look at those numbers, but he's doing it on 37 and 9. And he's not going to be a 37-minute-a-night player in the regular season. Still no free throws. Still no threes. Still low usage. He is you know, hes blocking shots at, a, at a, a slightly increased level. But it's not not a massive, massive difference. And people might look at, well, he, he's turned the corner in the playoffs. So therefore, I'll go back and draft him in the 20s. Now, I look at what he did and the structure of this team. And I think maybe 31 minutes can go to 32. That, that's fine. But will he start to get 22 usage again? No, nope, not this year. I don't think there's any way that happens. Will he start to block 1.7 shots per game? Almost no chance. Will he get to the line? Nothing will tell me that he will. So I would be more inclined to, while with Devin Booker, I could see it going both ways. I think with Aiton, if people buy into the playoff success, um, that he could end up getting going in the 30s and I probably wouldn't want anything to do with it. Because again, it's really just a minutes ramp up for him. It's not a per possession stat change in what he's doing or anything like that. It's really just more minutes which isn't going to come. Now in saying that, if someone looks at him and goes, well, this is who John Rayton is, I would buy in Dynasty because Chris Paul's not going to be around forever and by the time he's 25, John Rayton, I think we are seeing 23 usage. We are seeing 18, 19 and 12, 1.5 blocks and maybe he can get to the line at some point in his life at all. That would be great. Maybe he can do that. Um... He, but he's feeling... He, and and look, I ask players to do this, and I don't ask them because they don't give a shit what I say. But you know, when I'm talking about what players can do and you're know, trying to look at their prospects and where they fit in, I go, do they know what they're good at? And do they know what they're shit at? And do they stick to doing the things that they're good at well? And DeAndre Ayton at the moment is sticking to doing the things that he's good at well and fitting into the team construct, which is a number one pick. Might be hard for a lot of guys to swallow, but he's doing it really well. And, and that's huge for Phoenix but it's, it's not obviously huge for his fantasy value. I think we're well aware of that. The advanced metrics were pretty high on him. I thought they, he improved defensively quite a bit this year. His scoring efficiency is pretty good. The, the problem you always have is just getting to the line, that that is an issue, but really good rebounder, solid block numbers. He's not a fantasy darling at this point, and while he's in this role, and while Chris Paul is on this team, he is going to find it hard to get that usage back up, would be my guess. Let me now tell you that the... NBA or Locked on NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, the NBA playoffs, they're in full swing, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. The Stanley Cup playoffs are on, they might not be on for much longer after today, but you can check all of that out, news, odds, info right over on Bet Online. Check before the next pitch, before the next puck drop, before the next tip, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to that website or use your mobile device to sign up today using our promo code LOCKEDON and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. Let's now move to the next player, and that is Nicole Bridges, who... I think has really established himself as an upper, upper echelon top class NBA defensive wing and with offensive upside as well. Played all 72 games, 33 minutes a night. Now, I was critical of Monty Williams in the way that he handled Bridges last year. Bridges played just 28 minutes a game last season. He played behind Cali Oubre for much of the year. but And would play like 24 minutes a night to begin the season. Some really weird stuff from Monty Williams. They look, if you look back at his game log to begin last year, 23, 13, 26, 15, 15, 19, 25, 20, 26, 15, 15, 15. Like that were his minutes per game. And it wasn't until the end of the year where they went, all right, let's go. 30, 38, 38, 39, 37, 39, 43, 43. And we go, he's the best player there out of him and Ubre, And this year, he was strong across the wing. He's not a great points league guy, 118 in points leagues, but 69th Giggity. in category leagues. He's a great shooter. That's coming along. There's still room, I think, for him to be a bit more consistent with his threes. 41% this year, though, is pretty good. It's obviously really good. Um, 43% actually, sorry, for him during the season. He averaged 14, 4, and 2. But the real value that Bridges brings is two threes over a steal and a block on 54 and 84. So good steals, good blocks, good field goals, good free throws, solid threes. He is about to turn 25. Him and Devin Booker are the same age. I think that that usage of under 15% from Bridges in the next two to three years should be spiking up to 18, probably best case scenario 20. You know, best case scenario, like an auto-porter, best case scenario auto uh, offensive season, which is top 40, top 35 for Bridges. I really do believe in him as a very good NBA player. He has some passing ability, doesn't really get used with Chris Paul around, but he could easily be a three and a half to four assists per game player. One and a half steals, one block, 17 points, five rebounds on really good percentages. That's a really, really good player. He took the necessary steps forward this year. And I think there is more to come from uh, from what Bridges can do. Look at this defensive, yeah, defensive metro, mat, mat, uh, metrics, your yeah, matchup difficulty, one of the highest in the NBA. Position versatility, role versatility, all great stuff there according to Basketball Index. Usage is really low, but a great mover, a great shooter, a good finisher, uh, and, and an absolutely excellent defender. And there is room for that offensive role to grow. LeBron, RPM, Raptor, they all loved him. Absolutely loved him. Huge grades right across the board. Plus 1.6 LeBron, 3.1 Raptor. His efficiency shooting, unbelievable. Outside of being on a as a pick-and-roll roll man and a handoff player, he's like elite in most scoring categories. Now, his fantasy numbers, they're not the greatest, but you see the nice blocks, the nice steals, the nice threes, the nice points. And I do think in a two, three years' time, there is scope for those assist numbers for McCall Bridges to really, really step forward. I'm pretty bullish on what his future holds. Jay Crowder. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I think this is a well-accepted fact by now that Jay Crowder is hot and cold. We know this. This is not a secret. This is not me blowing shit out of proportion. He is just either really good or shit house. Like, that's just what he is. 28 minutes a night, 22 points per game in fantasy, 154th in category leagues. There was, again, Monty Williams has been really, really good for this team, but he makes some confusing moves at times. The Bridges one last year was weird and then starting Frank Kaminsky over Jay Crowder was nonsense. Now, of course, when shit gets real and they need to put their best lineup out there and when the games are important, Kaminsky's not in the rotation and Crowder's playing big minutes exactly as it should be. I don't know why it took him as long as it did to figure that out, but it did. But we got there in the end. Crowder averaged 10 points, but he hit two and a half three, so he's an excellent three-point streamer, but he doesn't do too much else. He profiles this great three and D guy, but he doesn't really get steals, 0.8 steals. He shot 40% from the field but that's 39% from three. And we know it's just wildly inconsistent stuff from Jay Crowder most of the time that he's out there. He can be a really good defender. It doesn't necessarily translate into good defensive fantasy stats, which is fine. Um, But he is uh, a quite good defender. Very, very impactful as a spacing guy, as a guy that that can shoot. Um, Passing-wise, well, we saw that great pass for that lob for DeAndre Ayton to beat the Clippers in game four or five. I can't remember which one it was. Um, So he does have some passing ability there. And the metrics, they're not as high on him as what they are for Ayton and Paul or Booker or Bridges, but still pretty good. With the advanced stuff and RPM and Raptor and LeBron, they all had him pretty high. There, LeBron was just a little bit lower because they they didn't like his uh, offense. And you can see some of his scoring numbers; they're, they're much lower than those other guys. But hit threes at a really high rate, and then everything else just sort of in that average type range, which I think is what you'd expect from Jay Crowder at this point. Let's now have a look at my boy, and I'm not going to bask in the glory too much. <laughs> Because let's be honest, Cameron Payne was pretty terrible when he was with Chicago. But when I did see him at Summer League in 2019, he looked good playing for Dallas. And then he didn't play in the NBA and then came in for the Suns at the end of the season, played in the bubble and played well. And I said, okay, he's not going to be able to maintain 55% three-point shooting or whatever it was. Well, obviously, he was unbelievable. Could he have been the best backup point guard in the entire NBA this year? I think there's an argument for it. He averaged only eight points in eight, 10 minutes, but almost four assists. He shot 48 and 89, including 44% from three. So while the 50 plus percent from three in the bubble was unreal, and by unreal, I mean not realistic to continue, he's just turned into a really, really good shooter. A solid defender, a guy that can create for others. And in a pinch, if you need him, he can start. He can start for teams in the NBA right now. Um, and, you know, with, with Chris Paul there, there is a chance you're having him around. That, that I would think they would want to prioritize bringing Cameron Payne back. And then he becomes a really strong fantasy streamer in those in those cases. Now, he finished the year uh, as the 214th ranked player in category leagues and 232nd in points leagues, which is obviously not amazing. You're averaging those eight, two, and four. But I really thought he was super important as a shooter, as a playmaker. Getting to the rack and finishing there was pretty good for him as well. And you're just really taking his career to the next level. Again, the advanced metrics don't love him particularly, except for Raptor, which thinks he was unbelievable. A plus 3.6, which is 92nd percentile. He had some really good shooting numbers. Um, yeah, when you want him as a ball handler, as a spot-up guy, uh, in ISO, uh, off-screen, which is all the things that he needs to do. He does them really well. Assist rate was high, three-pointers high, scoring pretty high. He doesn't do a huge amount else, but some really, really good numbers for him. Um, And and I think, again, you you have to be impressed with the way that he's turned his career from being a joke. Now, I thought he could probably be, yeah, probably a little bit better than this is is my initial estimate. I thought he could be a top 15 NBA starting point guard. He's not that. But I, I would say at the moment, he's a top, I'd probably have to do a list of this, but he's a top 25 actual point guard in the NBA at the moment, maybe top 30. And he's really taken his career uh, to a really good spot, which I'm I'm happy for him. Let's talk about another Cam, Cameron Johnson, who had opportunities. He was another guy, one of those guys in the bubble who had some big numbers. People were expecting quite a bit out of Cam Johnson this year. Um, Yeah, they expected him to come in and be the starter and really develop in his second year. And I would say he disappointed. He was drafted at the end of drafts. 24 minutes a night, 18 fantasy points. He finished 241st. He played just 24 minutes, nine points with two threes. Remember in the bubble, he was playing the four a lot and getting these big rebound games and hitting a lot of threes, but things just weren't good for him this year. 35% from the field. Try again. 35% from three. 42% from the field, but nearly every one of his shots comes from three. 70% of his shots were from three. He hit 85% from the line, but never gets there. Um, No steals, no blocks, low rebounds. I think it was just a really, really disappointing year from Johnson, who is already 25. He's older than Booker. He's older than Bridges. Um, Do I ever see him developing into a top 100 guy? No, I don't. I don't think I ever really saw that in the past either. I think he can be a really good three-point shooter, and I think ideally if they they don't, when Jay Crowder is gone, he can move into that spot as a stretch four, but he's not the defender that Crowder is. He's probably a better shooter, although he shot worse this year. I'm just not sure that there's a huge, huge upside in what Cam Johnson brings to an NBA team. Sure, he's a good shooter, but you know, compare him to like a Duncan Robinson, he's not as good of a shooter as Dunk is. And he offers very little in other areas similar to Robinson. Better rebounder though, of course. Um, but yeah, that's what he brings as a shooter. I'm not convinced of him defensively. And I just don't think there's enough there fantasy-wise to get excited about him. You can have a look at his per possession. Size. So threes are great. Everything else is well below average. Now, he still is a really useful rotation piece, no doubt. And he could be a 28-minute-a-night starter and hit three threes a game, for sure. But doing anything else is where I have my concerns, and I'm, and I'm not sure that that leads to great and consistent winning basketball. Let's move on to Torrey Craig, who started the season in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee basically gave him, not basically, literally gave him away for nothing, for cash. So they could uh, get in PJ Tucker. And uh, yeah, Craig is playing a huge role for Phoenix. Now, he's never going to be a good fantasy guy. 282nd ranked player this year. 320th in points leagues. But what he is, he's a really good defender who should be able to hit some threes. 37% shooting from three. He just played 16 minutes a night, but he is 30 already. So he's like six months younger than Jay Crowder. I would think they would look to bring him back again, but he is going to have suitors that are above the minimum, I would expect for next year, given how he has done here in the playoffs. And maybe that hamstrings the Suns' ability to bring him back. Just really, really solid over there on the wing as a defender, one of the best perimeter defenders. He's working well as an offensive, working better as an offensive guy. He's playing some center as well but just a really low usage guy who can come in and defend at a pretty high level who's never going to be any sort of fantasy threat. The advanced stuff did not like him. LeBron hated him. RPM hated him. Uh, Raptor wasn't quite as down on him, uh, but still not particularly good. Defensively, even the defensive metrics, LeBron had him at a negative 1.5, which is eighth oh, percentile. It's horrendous. RPM had him horrendously bad. Like These are some really poor numbers, but you know when you look at him, especially in the playoffs... what he's been doing has been more impressive than that. Let's talk about Dario Saric, who again had some really hot streaks at the beginning of the year, playing as that small ball center. And those lineups with him as the small ball center went off for Phoenix. Uh, Unfortunately, he couldn't continue that and he was nowhere near a rosterable or draftable fantasy player. 283rd in category leagues, 282nd in points leagues, averaging 16 fantasy points. He averaged nine and four with a three in 45 and 85 minutes. He can't play next to DeAndre Ayton, really, I don't think. Um, There's never going to be enough minutes there. People were buying into some of the stuff that he did in the bubble as being this great option to draft as a late round guy. It's never going to happen for me, for him. And I just, there's just not enough upside in his overall game to be a good fantasy player, I I don't think, as we move long term. He's 27 as well. They do, you know, he's there for a couple more years, I think, under contract. And he'll play that backup role. But I think really that's sort of who he is. As a player now, is just a backup center with some okay ability as a shooter. It's not particularly good, but as from a center position, 35% from three, is not terrible. It's pretty good, in fact. Um, and yeah, he was, he was really serviceable and did improve his defensive stuff, but it's obviously not his best area. He worked all right in some of the advanced metrics. That did tail off as the season went on. His efficiency overall was pretty poor, but he just isn't a great fantasy guy in general, Dario Saric. Abdul Nadir, I said, impressed this year, but he only played 24 games. So we would have liked to see a little bit more out of Nadir. Unfortunately, that knee injury, mystery knee injury, it appeared like we just couldn't get any sort of confirmation or understanding of what was actually going on. Uh, 15 minutes, he was outside the top 340 in both category and points leagues. Nadir is 28 as well, so he's actually older than Sharich. So I do think they'd like to bring him back, but there's no guarantee they do that. I think there is a little bit of offensive upside for, for Nadir. Um, much more so than, say, a Tory Craig. And I think he can fill a a 20-minute-a-night role on a good team, which is what this Phoenix team is. I think he can do that. Um, whether he gets to do that or not remains to be seen. He's a good uh, guy attacking closeouts. I think he defends at a pretty high level. He did struggle in this playoffs, but I think some of that is him returning from injury and just being rusty. But I do think there is a future for him as a rotation guy. Now, LeBron hated him as a metric, but the others all seem to like him. They just hated his offense. I think there's a little bit more pop for him offensively, especially with a 61 true shooting. There is a little bit more value there for Abdul Nadir, but never going to be a fantasy game changer. Neither is Frank Kaminsky, who... Played just, frankly, way too much this year, and that, frankly, was absolutely pun not intended. 28 years old, 15 minutes a night, 6-4, and 47-62. This is a guy who came in, oh, yeah, great three-point shooting big man. And he's had his moments, but 37% when that's really the only thing you can do? I'm not convinced that's great. 15 fantasy points, shot 47% from the field. Horrendous defender. Um, started games at Power Ford, which was honestly one of the absolutely top 10 dumbest things I've seen this season. And sometimes, you know, coaches will look at it and they'll confuse the results with the process. And they went, all right, yeah, we won the game, he started, that must be what we wanted. Yeah, nah, it's not It's not what you want at all. He can rebound and that's really about it. And he's, he's big, but who gives a shit if you're big and you can't actually do anything with that size, which is exactly the Frank Kaminsky autobiography. I can't do anything with my size. The metrics were okay with him, like he was solid enough. I still think, at best, he was their third best center and third or fourth best power forward. And I think that all played out here. And I don't really see him ever having any sort of large role on an NBA team. Javon Carter um, had, again, some really good moments. At times, they needed point guard play or guard play when uh, Payne was out at at one stage. And Carter can come in and be a real defensive beast. He unbelievably shot 57% from the line. Never took any free throws, though. Half a steal in 12 minutes isn't bad, but there's a guy whose shooting has been sort of all over the place in his career, 37% from three this season. I still think there is something there in Carter to be a backup guard, but he is also you know old. He's almost 26. So he's older than, well, he's, he's actually older than Cam Johnson. He's uh, older than Bridges and older than Booker by a full year. And I don't think he's ever going to develop into a starter caliber player at all, but there is there is something there for him to be a really strong defender and hopefully bring some level of shooting, which, again, has been inconsistent. But I do think there is some hope that we can get something good going there. And if we do lose Langston Galloway for Phoenix or one more this season, um, yeah, Carter can be that backup guy. He's probably, at this point, more of a two than a, than a one at this stage in his career. But, um, yeah, someone who I, I've got a little bit of faith to at least develop a little bit. Now, Langston Galloway had some moments this year, but it was constant chopping and changing between Carter and... Galloway, one more on this team to get those backup minutes. And you know, Galloway had some solid moments, but he, like Jay Crowder, is one of those guys who just can get really red hot and really ice cold. He shot 96 from the line. That's awesome. 42% from three, but struggled in so many areas. 0.7 assists, 0.2 steals, didn't block a shot across his playing time this year. And he is, what, 20? He's about to turn 30 unrestricted free agent. I think he catches on somewhere else, but probably more just as a depth piece rather than a rotation player. I don't really see anyone looking to him to be a a rotation caliber guy, but can be at least a dangerous enough shooter um, with marginal ball handling skills. The metrics didn't love him. Nothing really stands out there. The fact that he hit threes at a good rate is important, and he hit them really nicely. Um, But yeah, nothing to love there long-term. Let's talk about their first-round pick, which if we talk about the criticisms of James Jones, this has to be number one. The other moves that he made, bringing Crowder, trading for Paul, excellent. Drafting Jalen Smith was a pick that I hated at the time, and getting your number 10 pick to play under six minutes a game and in 27 games is very, very disappointing. It just didn't make sense to me to draft a backup center. They might think he can play power forward. I don't think he can. You're drafting a backup center despite having Dario Saric on the team. And I don't know. Saric isn't long-term for this team. Now Smith has some ability, obviously. He's 21. But no, I just need to see more of it. And the team was good, obviously, so they couldn't just gift him minutes, which is absolutely fair enough. But I just was pretty disappointed in, in everything that, you know, that, that pick at the time and what, what he brought. Two points, one and a half boards, 71 from the field, 44 from the field, 24% from three. Those aren't particularly good numbers. He can rebound all right. You yeah, know, defensively, I think he's got yeah, a long way to go at this stage. Um, and the metrics, there's nothing there that stands out to make me think that he's good. I think, again, his best position is centre. And they have a center. Could he play next to Aiden? Well, he's going to need to develop that three-point shot a lot more. And I'm just not convinced that he is a guy that can guard out on the perimeter or become that level of shooter. So I think basically they invested a top 10 pick in a backup center when Tyrese Halliburton was right there. And that's exactly who they should have picked. Plus, there was other guys after that they should have picked. Now, he he obviously will improve and should improve from here. But that doesn't mean that it was a good pick. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to love it as we move forward. So, yeah, Jalen Smith, Dynasty Shares. I don't even think this is a significant buy low opportunity. Guys... That'll do it for today's show. But before I go, starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 is presented by Locked On and Odyssey. And it features analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini, and former Phoenix Suns general manager, Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports... podcasts, music, and news that matter for you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget, you can follow this podcast on Odyssey, but on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify, but on YouTube. Thumbs up. Ring the bell. Hit subscribe over there. You can do that. Leave your comments down below tomorrow, 2020 NBA redraft. Looking forward to getting um, shit posted and trolled in the comments or just criticised straight up. That'll be awesome. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.